Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. So, uh, big day, huh? Yeah. Uh, One thing we have planned is the... 19.0 19.0 asked me, uh, um, how many pastors do, do I think have their Lenten midweek service says planned yet? And I said about 50%, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So uh, as we've done this before, a public service to the pastors who may not have had theirs done, Yeah, Vicar has been feverishly working, and uh, it's not well formed yet, which is... F- completely formed yet, right? It's not formed, you know, but, but maybe 50%. 50%. There you go. So I figure uh, we could talk about that and, and help the pastors out there with their Lenten service series if they haven't thought about it yet. Right. And this is not a mere exercise because I will, in fact, be responsible for all the midweek sermons during Lent. Actually, in a way, I'm responsible for them. Oh, yes. Responsible. I will be writing them, and you will be responsible <laughs> That's for them. That's right. I take that seriously. <laughs> that's fair. Like, if you preach something like that's kind of bad, I'm like, well, you know, it's Vicar. <laughs> <laughs> will you throw me under the bus when they're bad and take responsibility when they're good? <laughs> no, that's why I take care in prepping, that's true. right? Yeah, yeah. Forced me to it, which was good. So, uh, you brought a beverage today. I did. Uh, for the careful listeners, they will recognize this as a rerun, but it's been a while. I have Lake Time Brewery's PB&J, which is a combo beverage of peanut butter porter and a berry ale. And it was really good last time. It happens to be what I still have around, so I brought another one. And it is from an Iowa brewery. I'm trying to remember which where it's at. But Lake Time Brewery, Clear Lake, Iowa. Oh, that's just down the road. Here, can you hand me the opener? Because I have. you got something else. Mine's a can. I've got a, a a mini bottle of ice cold Coca Cola. Ah, also a rerun, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We're, well, we got work to do, right? Yeah, yeah, we got work. All right. So, uh, is, it, is yours as delicious as ever? It's this. Yeah, it's delicious. Uh, I've probably made comments like this before. It's a bit of a novelty, so you wouldn't want this to be your main beverage every day or something like that. Yeah, probably not. No, and Wouldn't probably a... neither Coca Cola should probably be. Although I've heard that that there there a few years ago that there was a diet where basically all you drink is beer. How come I have never heard of this wonderful diet? <laughs> so, was it a weight gain diet? <laughs> well, I, I think you're supposed to get pretty much most of your calories from the beer. So goodness, right? Well, there would be hardly any nutrition in that. So I think uh, Hannah would have some words to say about that. Yes, Hannah, have you tried such diet? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure it wouldn't be very good for homeschooling. But if you think about it, I mean, that's one reason that beer got started was it was a way of preserving water. Yeah. Hops, which has a natural uh, kind of antibacterial thing. Yeah, right. And we think of uh, Timothy drinking a little wine for his stomach because water was probably all contaminated in the first century. So, anyways. (laughs) So, uh... Uh, Vicar, what am I preaching on? Oh, let's see. That's a good question. Well, it's going to be Septuagesima, which I think I'm saying right. And yeah, Septuagesima. I, I usually you say Gesima. I say Gesima. Okay, but I, that's just a guess. 
Uh, <laughs> do you just? <laughs> okay. Well, it looks like it'll be a parable of the kingdom of heaven. And Why don't you go ahead and read it? I'll just read it. Just read it. Then we'll all know what it's about. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 20. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. All right. So, Vicar, do you have any comments before I, I talk a little bit more about this text? What what strikes I, you by it? About well, it? you know, I I worked in the in the regular world, I guess I'll say, like previous to church work, and this I kept at the front of my mind when I would hear workers at my job or even me beginning to complain about what somebody else was getting. And I would say, well, are we not getting what we agreed to get? Like, how could, what does it matter that somebody down the hall gets whatever they're earning because we're, we signed a contract, we're getting what we also agreed to. And so, and so it has a practical application about not being all that concerned about what somebody else is making. Now I recognize this is a parable about the kingdom of God. And mm-hmm. though it has that practical application about not grumbling when somebody gets paid, whatever they get paid, um, I'm, it has a lot more to say than that. So, what I think one thing that Jesus is kind of addressing here is this aspect, okay? Is when you talk about the kingdom of heaven, it, it's one thing, I mean, that is, in a sense, our goal, but in a sense, it isn't at the same time. Hmm. Let me explain, right? Okay. So, like, if your goal is the kingdom of heaven, right, uh, and that's why you're in church, and that's why you come. I want my sins forgiven, which is all right and true. That's why you need to be right. in church, right? Right. Right? But you then at the same time, though, you have this delicate balance, though, of it being for the sake of others. Like there's value in the work that God gives you to do. So, so if you are in the church just for the kingdom of heaven, 
okay? Yeah. And and you, you hate the work mm. that God gives you or the crosses that you must bear. Right. So the reason why I say that is, is Jesus actually talks right before this parable. He uses the same. He, he says, the first will be last. And that's, he's talking to, to Peter and the disciples. Peter says, see, we have left everything and followed followed you. What will we have? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, in the new world, uh, when the Son of Man will sit on the glorious throne, you will have followed, you have followed me, will sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many, but many who are first will be last and last first. So right before this, Jesus talks about like the hmm. great reward. Right. Right? So if you have in mind this great reward, I think he then from this says, though, but your reward is given to others. Hmm. And so he, there's a lesson in, in the gospel, you have been given a great reward through the forgiveness of your sins, right? Right. That then changes how you see the work in the kingdom. And, and I guess that, that's really what, what love does. So while the, some workers, they bemoaned, I worked all day in the heat of the day, and, I, and they get the same reward as me. What does that say about the work in the heat of the day? The work of a be- in the kingdom of God. It makes it uh, toilsome. I was doing it to earn something. Mm. I was there for the paycheck. Right. Do you think that there's a relationship to this? And when, say, an older generation says to a younger generation, like, you have it so easy nowadays. Back in my day, we had to do everything by hand and walk uphill both directions to school. And, right, you know. right. Yes, I was I was building a log. I was born in a log cabin built with my own hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose, but I, I, my, I guess my, my, my point is this, is yes, the reward of the kingdom of God is amazing, and, and that is what we long for. At the same time, if that's our goal and the reason why we're in church, um, that's a little short-sighted because what the gospel does is it opens you up to love and to care for others. And and so, so, you know, if that's the case, you don't bemoan the work in the kingdom. You find it a joy. You find it a joy that you were able to work in the kingdom. And a blessing that you were willing to give up all those things because the message is that important. Others need to hear it. And if the goal is just about me, yeah, that's and, and that becomes a works righteousness. Right. And it tends to lead to comparing who receives what reward. But uh, if you're open by the gospel and the forgiveness in the kingdom, it changes how you view the work in the kingdom. You don't view it that way. And you say, I still receive the kingdom by grace. What I receive is still a gift from God. So that's what I think is kind of happening in this. Is it, it um, because he tells us really right after explaining to the, the disciples their reward and, and how they, yeah. you know, 
What are we going to? Because that that before that is the rich man. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, well, he says the ten commandments. These all I have done. And then mm-hmm. Jesus says, uh, give away. And then Jesus says, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of the needle than a rich man. Yeah. And then Peter says, well, we've oh, given up everything. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. he he's looking for the hierarchy, and he yeah. says, oh, for sure, your reward is great. However. If you are in this just for the reward, hmm. because a reward that you received by grace in the beginning, right? Uh, it will lead to these things, and so I think it changes how you view your your life as a Christian and your various vocations. Of because of the gospel, these are good things to do, and I do them not for the reward, right? But because God has in the gospel has showed me and given me the ability to love for the sake of others, not for the sake of myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I'm thinking about how if the Lutherans have a leg up on understanding this, we all do, because of our understanding of law and gospel as a, you know, and our understanding that we don't do anything to earn our salvation. And and those uh, denominations and other religions that teach that you have to earn your salvation they can't perform a good work purely, or at least not not right. according to their theology. I'm not saying that an individual in one of those churches doesn't purely perform a good work, but if they're following their theology carefully, they're they're constantly trying to save themselves through good works, and uh, and it taints them all. It taints right. all the good works with with a self promotion. It, it's really easy. And my confirmation students got this right away. Like if if you are follow God's command to love one another so that you go to heaven, is that love for them? Right. It's not, no, no, it's love it's for love, yourself. Love for yourself, yep. and and the kingdom of heaven is like that. If you're in this thing <laughs> for the sake of the love of yourself, for the sake of the reward that you will receive, right? If it's a beneficial social club that you network into, so that you can get a good lifestyle or something like that, you know, that's not a great reason to be a Christian. It's a terrible reason. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, this could, people can think of, you know, people being jealous of, think of what that says about the Christian life too. And it says, oh, here, this person got to live however they wanted to. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, as though that was a better way to live. Like, as though, you know, the life of repentance, (laughs) the life of a baptism was such a treasury. Now, I'm not saying it didn't make it hard. I'm sure it did. That's funny. I'm thinking about those times in my growing up years going to Pentecostal churches and other churches where there'd come a time during the service where people would stand up and give their testimony. And there was always a little bit of jealousness of the guy that stood up that had been like a drug crazed biker and partied all the time. And then, and then he found Jesus and, and, you know, there was a little bit of jealousy. He's like, well, I didn't get to do any of that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, here we are about the same age and here I had to to struggle all those years to be a pastor, then here you come yeah, along. Yeah, the upstart. Yeah, you got to, you know, be an engineer, earn your money, and then <laughs> and at the end, we're both a pastor. Come on! Oh, not yet, though. I mean, and, and you could, like, be angry at me, I suppose. Yes, and, and yes. Like, I, I, can, I can make you pay your dues. And, <laughs> That's right. Send me back with bad marks. No, no he's not ready. No, no, though. Here's the thing. <laughs> we, we actually... Uh, district scale will represent that we do get paid. Well, that's true. Yeah, I'm about to get my, uh, (laughs) not really a denarius. (laughs) 
So I guess that's that's kind of what I've been thinking about in in my preparation for this text. Yeah, because it, it because right before it, it ends with the first last last first thing, and if you think about it too, um, isn't Jesus what I just explained? Isn't that Jesus the epitome of that? Right. I mean, he was in the kingdom of heaven already. Yeah, the preeminent firstborn of all creation, and all that he did was not for the sake of his own reward, mm-hmm. but his reward was ultimately you. Right. His reward is someone else. And I go I suppose that's a good way to look at it too. You know, our reward in heaven isn't just that we get to be in paradise. You know, the reward is, you know, as a pastor, for example, I just said goodbye to uh, a shut-in this week. Uh just a normal visit and mm-hmm. someone and how often do we hear, "Well, I'm ready for the Lord anytime." Right. You know. Yeah. Be, it wouldn't be a bad thing if, you know, I didn't wake up in the morning because I'm with Jesus. Right. You know, and so a lot of times after that discussion, I say, well, I'll see you again, if not here. Mm. Right? Right. So as my work as a pastor, what is my reward? Well, I think, well, I'll get to see that person again. Right. You know what I mean? My yeah. reward is not the fact that just that I'm up there. Right. But the fact that through my work... The Holy Spirit does his work in the forgiveness of sins, in the feeding of souls. Right. That that just like the reward of Jesus coming to this world, dying and rising and, and suffering all the ways that he did, his reward was not that he could be in heaven. He was already there. Right. His reward is that we could join him. He's winning a bride. Right. No, that's good. That's and good. That, that's, that should lead us then, you know, does Jesus say, here, I did all this and, you know, and... <laughs> yeah. I, is it, he gets to go to super heaven or something like <laughs> right so so the point is i think what he's saying is, is just that kind of thing of how you understand the kingdom of heaven and how it still is a gift and your the work that you do as a christian in the christian life although it is a struggle in many ways um you wouldn't have it any other way hmm. because that's what the gospel does for you. If you think about it, the Ten Commandments themselves are love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God, right? Right. So that's good. Right. <laughs> yeah, by definition. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So we have, as part of our public service, uh, Vicar <laughs> has been... So tell, tell them about the process. So I started at the very beginning. I said, now, in August, when you came, you will be preparing. Yeah, the, the mid. I wouldn't do Advent, but I would have the midweek Lenten services, and there's no lectionary for those services. Right, and we're talking five, because uh, right. we follow the lectionary for Ash Wednesday, the propers for that. Yeah. And then when we get to Holy Week, we'll follow the propers for mm. Good Friday, or Holy Thursday. Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil. And uh, the two on Easter. How many foot washings do we do here? Um, me, none. Vicar, all of them. <laughs> oh, I might grumble about the work I have to do in the heat of the day. Then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, so Vicar, he, he's, and then once Christmas goes, I kind of remind him, hey, mm-hmm. keep, keep in mind. It's coming. Well, it might be something good to hear. And so uh, if you haven't had, if you're a pastor listening, we have a few pastors listening. If you don't have yours done yet, yeah. 
Uh, here is Vickers' work. Now, what I thought would be interesting, he's not done yet. No. He's he's in the forming stages of right. this. And so I thought, um, well, tell him about the discussion we had, what what we needed to go to, because you have ideas. Right. But we need to kind of, today, kind of flesh them out into, right. to like, a point. Right. So I have... I I have idea or I have an idea about the, what the series can be about, and and I'll just cut to it. It's who do you say I am? And I wanted to provide five answers to who Jesus is, and draw text from the Old Testament that pointed forward to who Jesus would be, uh, is. And I uh, but as I developed the framework, it, these are excellent Bible studies, but I'm going to be preaching sermons, not standing there lecturing a Bible study. So part of the process is to take the idea of this fantastic, I think, Bible study framework and make them be sermons instead. Uh, And that's something that vicars learn as uh, uh, in the field. Like back at the seminary, I would probably easily get away with making these five Bible studies and pretending they were sermons. (laughs) Five five papers. Five papers, right. And then... Right, but but that's that's what vicarage teaches you. It does. Being a vicar is... It reminds you of what theology actually is. It's mm-hmm. not just like being able to form the right ideas. A theologian also looks at what Scripture teaches, and it forms in such a way where the theology actually happens in bringing sinners to repentance, pointing them to Jesus, yeah, uh, showing them because Paul was a great theologian, right? Oh yeah. And what was that? The- how was that theology done in his letters? What would he do? Doing callings in his repentance, he was proclaiming the gospel, pointing them to the sacraments, uh, all those things. That's what what theology is. So, so I would say that in the seminary up to this point, you you learn the kind of the the underpinnings of theology, and then you get yeah. a vicarage, and that's when the theology actually happens. <laughs> right, the pointy end of the spear. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> or the sword, I guess I should say, with the keep. And so that's <laughs> where where you're at of. Okay, I've got some these theological points, mm-hmm. and then I I thought, well, let's do that on the podcast. Let's walk through each of these. What would be a good sermon right. idea or a thought process of what people would need to hear from this? Right. Okay, and so I I have my five answers to the question, but who do you say I am? Uh, which of course I'm quoting Matthew. You remember 16, my 50? first, my very first split second reaction when you said, "Who do you say I am?" No, what was it? I said, oh, that's very Seussian. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, by Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Who do you say I am? I am. (laughs) (laughs) I am who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's not one of my answers, though. (laughs) So I think it might be fair to to list the the five uh, topics. All right. So number one, prophet. Number two, priest. Number three, Christ. Number four, son of God, and number five, redeemer. And so I think these will stick at this point. I've worked on it a bit. I have some alternates in case these don't quite fit in the end. So some of the alternates are judge, king, son of man. The uh, There's reasons that uh, I think I can, well, son of man in particular, Jesus called himself that a lot. Right. And I think I will be able to fit the, that concept under the topic Christ in week three. Uh, to show, hoping to show that Christ was 
fully man as at least a portion of my topic when I'm teaching that he was the Christ, the promised one. And then, of course, son of God, teaching that he was fully God. Okay, so one thing I'll, I'll mention right away, one thing that'll help you in doing this mm-hmm. is is as you you have who do you say I am, uh, because Lenten is, Lent is the time of, of learning, right, and teaching. Okay. Okay. It's okay to have a little bit more of a Bible study type sermon. Well, that's a relief. <laughs> right. But... I am your supervisor, oh, and yeah. I know that that's your natural go-to place. It is. Yeah. My dry <laughs> right? is a bone analysis, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it that way. <laughs> well, I know that my first pass at writing a sermon, uh, even I can see with my own eyes that this is dry. This isn't a sermon yet. And then I, have, having been trained into that self-awareness of what I originally produce, I then work on turning it into a sermon. So the, the other thing I was going to mention then, too, is is... Really, in your mind, think of it kind of as a second article sermon series. That's mm. basically what you're doing. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. Um, you're you're answering the question, who is yeah. Jesus? Jesus, yeah, who is he? I have often told students that when I was in a position to tell students something like this, uh, I, I asked the rhetorical question, what is the most important question in the universe. And that is, who is Jesus of Nazareth? That's the most important question in the universe. I have a question. What if, again, because this is a whole podcast, it's a spitting ball. Yeah, it really is. What if you changed the, the theme to who do you say that you are? I don't feel like doing that <laughs> at the moment, but because it, because it, you're basically having God's word explain who Christ is, right? Who do you, but but what do you mean? Like 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 as if I'm asking the parishioners, who do they say that they themselves are? No, who does no. God say that? Oh, who does God say that Jesus is? Right, oh. it's the antithesis to what Jesus means to me. Oh yeah, no, we don't want to ask God what is Jesus right. Mean? It, it, it is let it let God define him. Mm-hmm. So who do you, God, say this Jesus is? Right. God says that he is your prophet. Right. He says he is your priest. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's that's what I am doing, even though I haven't titled it that. Right. I mean, I'm... All right. But, uh, but I, right. as I do, I, I kind of confuse things <laughs> once in a while. Well, with those pronouns, confusion, you know, kind of the modern <laughs> take on things. <laughs> who do you say I am? No, no. Who does he say I am? <laughs> 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 All right, so the first one Week is one. Yeah. prophet. Prophet. So uh, I like the idea of finding a story in the Old Testament. By story, I mean like a narrative uh, of something that happened in order to illustrate how the Old Testament pointed forward to who Jesus is. In the very first, right out the gate, I don't really have a story for it. I, I, I focus on Deuteronomy 18.18. 18. Actually, I've got that here. Uh, and that's where Moses first prohibits the people from looking for mediums, sorcerers, and diviners, and necromancers. This is uh, Deuteronomy 18, starting at verse 9. And he prohibits them for looking for sources of information from all those places. And then a promise in Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you. It is to him you shall listen. And it goes on, uh, let's see. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And... I mean, this jumped right out as a connection to the Transfiguration sermon that I gave mm-hmm. recently, because mm-hmm. it is to him you shall listen. 
which is precisely what God the Father says to the disciples in the Transfiguration. Listen to him. Uh, And so that's the Old Testament background of how Jesus is that prophet, uh, the one that uh, would be raised up from among their brothers, so a fellow Jew, mm-hmm. and uh, and would con- have the very words of God in his mouth. So that's where I'm at. There's a lot of okay. things like what, what is a prophet at all? I, I'd like to okay. probably address that. Right. I, one place that, that will can guide you is, is, uh, is in the explanation of the catechism. Okay. In well, and, and, <laughs> Um, okay, I'll try to remember. I'll listen to the podcast later so I can remember. What you, you remember said. this, okay? <laughs> okay. It it it, uh, it uh, asks the question. One of the questions is uh, talks about the threefold offices of Christ, and in there, uh, there is a discussion on what does Jesus do as a prophet. How is Jesus a prophet? Okay. okay. Well, I got to look there then. And uh, there's basically in there two answers of how Jesus is a prophet. One is during his earthly life. What did he do? As a prophet, he spoke God's word. He taught God's word. He spoke for God. He was God's word amongst his people. Right. Right? The second one is, is that office as a prophet is not something that stopped there. Today, he continues to speak through his word to you. Right. So that would be the connection point that Jesus... One way that you could, when you could make it into a sermon, right. would be to say, okay, Jesus is a prophet. He is your prophet. And he, just because his life entity ascended to heaven, doesn't mean that those words don't still stop speaking to you. Right. The nature of Christ hasn't changed. He still is the one who gives you truth. He is the prophet to you who speaks to you on behalf of the Father. Right. You with me? Yep. And so, what does that mean? That means Jesus, at his very essence of who he is, okay, according to the Old Testament, what is Jesus? Who is he at his core? He is the one who pronounces your forgiveness. Hmm. So it gives you a chance to talk about the office of the keys, for example. This prophet pronounces to me the word of God. My sins are Hmm. forgiven. So that could be one thing you could mention in this, in the prophet thing. Right. We don't have to listen to all these things. We don't have to read, what, figure out who Jesus is, what he's trying to say, which you were raised at doing, right? What is God actually really trying to tell you? Right. Right. What does it mean to you? Right. 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 Or though, you know, uh, uh, a train will, will come and slow down their commute to work. Well, what, I guess God was trying to tell you maybe to slow down. <laughs> right. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you find yeah. it all over the place. Right. <laughs> Maybe God is telling you to think ahead, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> leave leave home earlier. <laughs> but 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 here then, if you know if you think about it, Jesus is. He is at his very heart, according to scriptures, a prophet. Right. So then Jesus does his work by being your prophet, speaking to you on behalf of the Father. Mm-hmm. And Jesus then, what did he do? He said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What is he telling the church to do? His disciples, his apostles, to be bring that prophet's word right. to the people. When you speak my word, I speak. Right. Lord Jesus continues his work as his prophet. So you're tying what happens on Sunday morning mm-hmm. 
and what they need to hear from there to latch on to those words so that they may know from the very beginning Jesus at his very heart is someone who gives you his word, forgives you your sins. Right. His words come true because they come from the Father. Right. So that that's one way, one direction. Can you think of any other directions that might be, you know, from a sermon idea that might kind of come from that? Maybe more related to the text? <laughs> the the text of Deuteronomy? Yeah. Because you, you're saying don't listen to... Because there's the antithesis. Even as I mentioned, you know, listen to Christ. Mm-hmm. He's the one... I mean, people have a lot of voices in their ears. Right. That's why that's if you think of the 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 what, my point of who do you say that mm. he is? Yeah. Meaning what does God say he is? Not allowing because Jesus is defined in so many ways now. Right. Right? Social I mean, justice my, warrior. Right. You know, <laughs> and in many people's minds, Jesus is marching around town with a rainbow flag. Oh yeah. Right? Is that what God says he is? <laughs> in case anybody was wondering, no. <laughs> right. And so that, for if you want to do an opening to kind of have that mind, mm. as we go through this, uh, Jesus the prophet gives us his word, and God's word defines him, not us. Right. Scripturally, I'll probably use this reference, John 17, 8. This is when Jesus is praying for his people, and he's talking to God the Father in his prayer, and he says, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And so a, a strong reference to him saying the words of God the Father to the people. Right. So so I would say that as, if you're looking for kind of a, a like a sermon line or a sermon thought in mm, that, mm-hmm. it would be that second part of the explanation question. He continues, continues. to okay. be a prophet. Not just he was a prophet. Right. No, that's good. Yep. So. Then I'll probably drop off this branch of my, what do we call this thing? The the thought bubbles, the brainstorming. Yep. Because one of the one of the things I ran across looking into this is that the prophets in the Bible had three primary roles, according to the source I was looking at. They bring the word of God. That's obvious, I mm-hmm. think. But they also mentioned that they they give predictions. And a lot of prophets did give predictions, and and they and of course there's a the reference. If a pro, also in Deuteronomy 18, if a if a prophet says something that doesn't come true, then you know that's not a real prophet. Right. Um, but I think that that might fall by the wayside when it comes to my sermon because it's kind of a whole other, maybe a whole other area. I mean, Jesus made many predictions that came true. Right. But uh, well, I I I don't think you have to. Oh, okay. If you wanted to bring that in, because if Jesus is a prophet, if he says what's going to happen, and then they will come true. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, think of the gospel there. Like, what has he promised you? Your sins are forgiven. Right. You will rise yeah. from the dead. Yeah, okay. You will no, see me right. in the kingdom. I better keep that. <laughs> right? Right. 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 The gospel's true because he said so. Because so if he is a prophet still today, that means he is still promising to you things that will happen in the future that you can hold on to. Right. More real than what we see with our eyes and our ears. Right. right. Yeah, you've picked up on that theme too, huh? I did. Well, I used that in my sermon on uh, <laughs> Transfiguration too. All yeah. right. How about, what was the third one in that? The... Miracles that prophets typically perform signs and wonders. Um, and Jesus, of course, did that a lot. So, uh, 
but that was, you know, like I said, it was a source on the internet that I was looking real quickly to like, well, what else could we say about what is a prophet? And then on that particular source, they, they thought prophets had three primary roles and that was word of speaking, the word of God, predictions that come true and, and the performance of miracles. By the way, I'm being a nice supervisor today because yeah. I kind of wanted to do the, the vicar versus AI <laughs> sermon series right? prep, <laughs> asking <Right>? AI. <laughs> No, I didn't do that. I wonder if I'd be just better off because I'm just No, going. please don't. Please don't. <laughs> the artificial Holy Spirit. <laughs> the false prophet probably is what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, so that's what is in store for week one. All week, right. Week two. Week two. Hey. And that's priest. Jesus is the priest. In fact, Jesus is the high priest. And so I've... Come up. Well, I look at the. I look up the analysis. What is it that makes somebody a priest? What is what is a priest doing in particular? And they represent the people to God, mm-hmm. and they perform sacrifices for the covering of sins. The way I, the way I, I teach this in the confirmation class is I do hand motions. Actually, okay. Let's. They're going to be hard to convey on the podcast, right. but we can try. So a prophet. Okay, so his hands the, went over his head and then came down to, to the, like chest to the prophet, level. and then. And then went outwards towards right. me. So a prophet, right. prophet, here's God. Okay. Up in through here. the prophet. Through the... To okay. the people. To the people, yeah. That's prophet. Right. Prophet, priest is... From the people, through the prophet, or priest, up to God. Right. Absolutely. That's a great hand motion. That's, that's, that, 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 that helps. That visualiz- visualization, because yeah. we go through the prophet, priest, king thing. Oh, you do in your eighth grade catechism class. Right. Okay. Because we, we try, I try to answer to them... Who is Jesus? Yeah, that's. I think that's a. I'm really glad you do. I think that's the. <laughs> so we talk about that most important question in the universe. <laughs> right. So do you want to hear what the the catechism explanation? Oh not, yeah. Not, not the new version. I haven't really read that much oh, too much. I'm too stuck in my ways. But yeah, I'm talking about when I talk about the explanation. Uh, note, listener. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm talking about the older, not the brand new one. Oh yeah, I think the new ones from 2017 or 18. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the old ones from. I forget, 2009? I don't know. 82, I think. Oh, no, that's way old. Maybe not. I think there's one newer than that. Let's not get lost in <laughs> okay, that. you're right. He gets his phone out. Well, I was going to start looking it up. I'm trying to know these Lutheran things. <laughs> so in a catechism, it says, well, what does, ask what does Jesus do as a priest? Okay. And three answers are given to that. Okay. I had three also, but you know, you cut me off. I never got to my third one. Oh. <laughs> but, the, but I could be easily wrong because these were kind of off the top of my head. Okay. So uh, one is a reference to the active obedience hmm. and passive obedience and intercessor. So one is uh, Jesus on our behalf as one of us fulfilled the law hmm. for us. So when we talk about the, the fulfillment of the law uh, that Jesus did, he fulfilled the law perfectly uh, as one of us in our place, uh, fulfilled on our behalf to God the fulfillment of the law. Right. So that's one. You want to hear what number two is? Yeah. Number two is, by the way, this is why just kind of that, the older explanation, Yeah. kind of having that almost memorized is a really good way of answering a lot of questions. Right. Really organized in your brain. So when I hear a priest, oh, I immediately go to, one, he fulfilled all of God's law for us on mm-hmm. our behalf. Mm-hmm. And number two, uh, he offered himself as a sacrifice. So as a priest, 
represented people would offer sacrifices for the sake of the people on behalf of the people. Jesus, the high priest, offered himself as a sacrifice. Right. Um, number three is uh, the intercessor. He pleads for us before the Father in heaven. Okay. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. me. So those are the th- the three that that. Uh, how does that jive with? It's close to what I what I jotted down because I uh, number one represents the people to God, uh, and I suppose in a way that links up to the fulfilled the law for us. Mm-hmm. And then number two, I had performed sacrifices for the covering of sins, and and you said your number two is he offered himself as a sacrifice. Right. So they're both about sacrifice, and where you're quoting of the small catechism as the intercessor. I had my number three is blesses the people. Um, yours is probably more forensic than mine, I suppose, if I try to, I mean, not right. just yours, but the one that the catechism uses as its number right. three role of a priest. So I'll probably have to go towards that one rather than, but I mean, you do see that the the priests typically were blessing the people. Uh, um, Yes and no. Okay. How's the no? <laughs> not typically blessing the people? Yeah, I suppose. Okay. And yeah, but maybe not the blessing role. them in this the sense of bringing back to them what God has given them. So, anyways, okay. Well, that's helpful. Uh, the fulfilling the law for us isn't a phrase I would have come up with on. Uh, I mean, unless I happen to open the small catechism, I suppose, and look at it. But um, but that wasn't on my mind. And so I have I did find a, a pen laying here in the studio, and I'm all, I'm now taking notes on my papers. Okay, <laughs> so that I can. Uh, Improved. What, what was the the Old Testament reading that you kind of have? Well, I have Melchizedek uh, as the first priest mentioned in the Bible uh, in Genesis fourteen. Uh, of course, that was the his name means King of Righteousness, and he came out and visited with Abraham after a battle that Abraham was in, and he he did bless Abraham at that point, and Abraham tithed to him. Uh, but the 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 interesting point about that is uh, Melchizedek is mentioned in Hebrews. 717. Now I got to find that I got that printed. Well, there's actually a big reference, and most of Hebrews chapter 7 is about that. And Jesus is compared to Melchizedek in chapter 7 of Hebrews. But one of the things I wanted to say before I even go there, Hebrews 2 17 uh, is about how Jesus had to be like us in order to be our high priest. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And so uh, the book of Hebrews points out that Jesus was made like us so that he could fulfill that role. And I suppose that if he'd come down other than as a human, then he, he couldn't have been our high priest. He couldn't have performed that service. Right. Which I think is fascinating. They, they, they call that a carpet bagger. Yeah, carpet bagger. I suppose. You know what I mean? Why, why, why I mean by I say that? Like, what is a carpet bagger? It's someone who like. Well, they, they're fake. I mean, they're not really from the place they say they're from, and they pretend to be representing the people in the place that they're not really from. Right. Like, so he's not a carpet bagger. No, he's one he's who came bagger. from heaven, joined us. Yeah. In humanity, so that he may represent us. Yeah. He's truly one of us. He's truly human. Right. So that he can represent us before the Father in heaven as the sinless, true high priest. Right. Yeah, Hebrews 4. Hebrews is going to be all over this particular sermon because Hebrews chapter 4 
uh, verse 14, since we, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So another like interesting point that that why Jesus had to be fully man. If we fail to teach that he was fully man, like how how our uh, how our salvation falls apart, basically, then we we weren't fair, represented on the cross uh, by Christ if he wasn't fully man. Right. Yeah. What the what the Catechism explanation teaches. Okay. Is that one Jesus had to be man so that he could uh, fulfill all of God's law for us as one of us. Mm. And so there's a connection there that the explanation makes. And the second is he had to be man so that he could suffer and die in our place, another priestly aspect. Got it. That's good. So when he dies, according to the priest on the cross, he dies on behalf of all of us. Hmm. The priest uh, aspect of Scripture really means, really draws in the fact that his death is the one that saves us, saves us all. Only his death can save us. Now, there's lots of preaching you can go on that then, right? Right. Right? You, so um, I would say, too, uh, other avenues, you know, you can talk about repentance here. Because hmm. um, that's always a theme. Because why? Because the, you, you, the priest is the one that carries that. Hmm. Right? Um, and it's a Lenten. Thing, obviously, too. yeah, the Lenten thing that was my first connection, like that I thought of. Well, of course, I have to preach repentance for in Lent, uh, but that's almost meta so. Thinking. So, how, how, uh, let's see, how can we get to like a sermon point here? Yeah, um, let's go this way, all right. Let's uh, say, uh, talk to 25 uh, year old Patrick, okay, <laughs> yeah. What would that young man have to say, need to hear about Jesus being the priest? What would he have, what, what about this concept would that young man have benefited from? Well, that's a, that a tough one to, I mean, like, I'm so literal in my thinking that I was like, okay, what year was that? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Where so, was I in life in 1996? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm stumbling a moment here. Let's see. What would I have needed to hear? Uh, that's a tough one. This was, that's really before I had any theological education. Okay. Um, so I probably would have just needed to hear the, the basic facts that Jesus, uh, what it means at all that Jesus was a high priest. I would need the definition of a priest. I would, I would sure. need the real okay. basics. But, okay. How about, uh, how about this then? Um, uh, let's pick a random situation. That's that's how I do it, right? Yeah, I, I no, we, six, keep, we try stuff, we think of it, right. we move on, yeah. Right. Um, how is it that perhaps we try to represent ourselves as though we don't need the high priest? Hmm. I think that's when when we kind of treat Christianity like it's a, um, um, like a new year's resolution, like, Oh, I'm going to do this and that better. I'm going to make these promises to God and I'm going to try to do 
you know, enough devotionals and enough prayers and enough religious thinking that somehow mm-hmm. I'm now uh, coming up with my, working out my own salvation. That was a popular phrase in the churches that I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that regard, yeah, the uh, trying to to create Christianity from my inner strength or something like that. And another place to go when you're thinking of what would be a good sermon kind of line of thought for something like this is you, you mentioned that you're going to use Hebrews a lot. Yeah, for this, uh, it's so, unavoidable. So one one direction is, well, the writer of Hebrews, you know, we can talk argue about who that is, right? Oh, that maybe a different podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, but you can tell, like, why is he writing it? What did those hearers, why particularly did Jesus need to emphasize, or the writer need right. to emphasize the high priestly nature of Jesus? He was writing to people that were very, very familiar with the Old Testament and the law, and they needed to see how Jesus was revealed by those, uh, by the law that had been given in the Old Testament uh, and the roles that were created by God in the Old Testament and how those pointed to the coming Messiah. So, so the purpose was, uh, in a sense, to, to generate faith in Christ and that fact that Jesus is the one who is your high priest. Yeah. So then how, the other question is, how would that be then reflected at this time, in this place, with how people maybe doubt that Jesus is the high priest? Or that we don't need to be justified, or, or uh, I'd rather speak for myself. Mm. Not that you can answer. You need to necessarily answer that right now. <laughs> oh, good, because we'd have to edit that in. <laughs> <laughs> so, those are another direction. We need yeah. to keep moving. Well, yeah, we better. That was only week two, so let's look at week three. And this is, uh, who do you say I am? And the answer is Christ, which probably everybody knows it's listening that Christ is simply the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. So that's the same thing. It means the chosen one or the anointed one. So, uh, so how is Christ the, or how is Jesus rather the Christ or the, and of course uh, we have Peter's great confession, which I also preached during the transfiguration where, who do you say I am? And Peter's answer was, you are the Christ. And what does that mean? It means that the one that the old Testament scriptures had promised would come uh, to uh, and deliver the people. And so that for the Old Testament, I'm looking at all the way back to Genesis 3.15, mm-hmm. because uh, that's, of course, where, uh, where when God was cursing the serpent for having deceived Eve, and he told Satan that uh, you will bruise his heel or you will injure his heel and he will bruise your head. And so... Okay, kind of, I can see a pitfall a little bit here. Okay, because that that verse always comes with a lot of explanation. Okay, so I'm a little nervous that you're going to get a little lost. Will I get lost there? Okay, and not not that you couldn't, but you, but uh, I know Vickers well enough that that could take <laughs> two pages. Yeah, of a five or six page sermon, right? Right. Okay. Right. Well, I don't. I mean, I have other Old Testament references that I could bring in. But that's not. But if you're aware of it, that's fine. Okay, well, now I am, because I was just told by my supervisor, <laughs> watch out for this pitfall. It's a pit of snakes. <laughs> no, it would be a good thing, and uh, I like the pun there. <laughs> yeah, I also have some Isaiah references. It's like Isaiah 42.1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, 
my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And so this prophet of the Old Testament, Isaiah, he was making a prediction that, uh, well, he was actually using the very words of God, because that's what prophets do, to say that there will be a servant, a chosen one, that will bring forth justice to the nations. So so what kind of points do you, do you kind of plan on bringing in the fact that God chose him? Right. I. That's a good question. I. I want to emphasize that all of the scriptures are about Christ, that they were all pointing forward to Christ in the Old Testament and then talking about him in the New Testament. And, um, I, I do, yeah, break I do in, a, break I, in. This is my Bible study thing. <laughs> uh, I would say this is, is the fact that God chose who your Messiah is. Hmm. Okay, I like that. Yeah, we might choose, we like to choose how our Savior looks, what form it takes. Is my Savior going to be a, a higher paycheck? Um, but uh, but there's only one Savior. God chose him. Right. He, going back to that first, that God defines who the, the, the Savior is. I think that might be a good way of, of talking about it, um, where uh, he is the one that God chose to save you. It's not up, left up for your own definition of what the Savior looks like. Right. That was a stumbling block all the time because Jesus was not the Savior that people were expecting. Right. They were, and I, I like talking about that, and, it's, and hopefully I'd be able to draw attention to it in a way that people could see the way that they make the same mistake. But back in Jesus' day, they, the, what they thought Jesus was, they understood he was the Messiah, but they thought he was going to be a geopolitical ruler. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that was the thought of, the, of the, the way the people reading the Old Testament, the Jews, and understood those scriptures that Jesus was going to come and throw out the Romans and so forth. And even Pilate was a little worried about that, right? Right. And again, that's probably the way my brain goes straight to like an interesting Bible study way of expressing something. And it's like, well, how are we doing that nowadays? How do people, what do they need to hear? And I think you're helping me by talking about that we don't get to define who the Messiah is. There's not other ways to salvation. Uh, There's not... um, Right. Most, most cultural things that we're going through right now comes from the fact that people think that uh, they are more gracious and loving than the Word of God. Right. They're kinder, more accepting, and uh, tolerant than the Word of God. Right. But God is love. Jesus is love. Hmm. And instead of using that to prove that that means the way I'm thinking about Jesus is the right way of thinking about it, because I just quoted that God is love— they need to look at the, what the Bible said that means, that God is love. Right. You don't, you don't learn, you learn love from the one who defines it, hmm. who, who gives love, and who chose, this is what love looks like. I'm giving you my son. He is the chosen one, the Messiah, the Christ. Right. Now I'm writing notes again, because that was good. <laughs> giving up the son. That's what love looks like. That's hard, isn't it? When you... I mean, that's just hard. Think about those of us who have sons, which is both of us. Right. And we, it's, it's almost, it's unimaginable to us, I would say. All right. Okay, that was number three, that Christ, or Jesus is the Christ. Week four, Jesus is the Son of God, by which I want to emphasize his full divinity, that he is the very 
uh, he's the visible image of God. You want the ex- catechismic explanation yeah, for I that? Yeah, I probably do want that. Now, now I see when I prepare these sermons, I need to pop open my catechism. <laughs> <laughs> well, properly speaking, it's not the catechism. That's why I'm always saying the explanation. Well, okay, that's a good point. I need to pop open the back portion of the yes. catechism. Uh, but uh, what it says, Jesus had to be God for our salvation, one, so that he could make full payment for our sins. That's week five, though, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because if Jesus was just a man, that his death would not mean our salvation. You think that's because the, the the quality of the sacrifice wouldn't be sufficient because of God's standard of perfection? Is that one way to put that, or is that? Yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to lose everybody, <laughs> yeah. I, and I would say just the fact that uh, I would I would put it this way, okay. Um, when Jesus died, he died to win for himself a bride, right? Right. Uh, that's your five, right? That's going to be in five, which is Redeemer. As Redeemer. So, so Jesus being God, like there is an equality of not even. He is greater than humanity. Mm-hmm. He is the fulfillment of all humanity. So his death does pay for the sins of the world. Right. So... That's what the catechism says. Now, that yeah, that, that incre- creeps on your next one, the Redeemer, I know. Right, and it's not like these topics can won't overlap. I mean, right. we're still talking about Jesus throughout all five weeks, so they're going right. to overlap. Right. And then the other thing that it mentions is uh, uh, after the payment, it talks about so that he could defeat sin, death, and the devil. That's not something a man can do. So Right, most very much demonstrated in the Garden of Eden where man utterly failed to defeat Satan. Right, right. But even if they were sinless, they still would not have been able to do what Christ has done. Yeah, that's one of those interesting. I mean, they ways. can because they're they're in the righteousness of God, and that does it. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, if yeah, okay. So. Now, a little bit of an aside, and I think we have a, a time for this. Was Adam, in fact, the first prophet? Yeah. That's kind of what I thought. Maybe I've been taught that. Um, because um, the prohibition of not eating the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden yeah. was spoken to Adam. Right. Eve had to hear it from... From Adam. Yeah. So he spoke the words of God to, to right. Eve. Right. Okay. And I don't know if I'll bring that up in the prophet one or not, because it's kind Please of, don't. That'll get... Con- yeah, it'll just probably be this little side yeah. thing. I'll, I'll save it for the... <laughs> The Bible you, You've noticed that my, my love for little <laughs> side things and sermons. <laughs> yeah, well, the sermons, they're pretty short in the Lutheran tradition, at least nowadays. Right. And, you know, and I was raised in the Pentecostal church where a sermon was expected to be 45 minutes. Yeah, we just heard someone say, uh, I like the sermons there because you just get to the point. That's true. On one of our visits of a prospective new member, that's what, that's what she said. <laughs> and then I was up next, and I, I hope I... I hope I fulfilled the requirement of having a short sermon. <laughs> she said <laughs> or, to the point. Not that's short. right. She didn't say short. That's that's fair. She said to the point. So maybe I got to the point over yeah. and over again for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, what what else do you have? Yeah. So the, there's a lot of great New Testament references to Jesus being the Son of God. You have Transfiguration again, which is kind of because I preached that recently. This is where I got this idea for the midweek services. Baptism, of course, this is my, both of those, this is my beloved son, 
uh, Colossians 1, where, uh, 1.15, where Jesus is the image of the invisible God, uh, emphasizing that he has the same nature as God. Uh, which might be might might be in your estimation one of those aside things, but no, uh, okay, silly. that one's all right. All right, uh, and then even the Jews like pointed out when they were accusing Jesus and bringing him on trial. Well, he keeps calling himself the Son of God, like and makes himself equal with God. So they understood his words; they just didn't believe them uh, that he was he, he is equal with God as the Son of God. And he's also I don't know I don't have this written down yet. But he's the he's the heir, right? And then we became co heirs through baptism. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is to be the son of the monarch, right? That we receive their full rights as... Yeah, as sons, as adopted sons. Then we receive the name of God because when some when you get adopted, you get the name of the person who adopts you, <laughs> like, even now. So, so how does this then, this understanding of Jesus being the son of God, to, one way that I think about that in, in, in proclaiming this okay. is, is to remember, look at what... God did for you. Mm. The, the the whole condens- condescending type of a thing. He came down. He who right. was God set that aside. That makes me think of Philippians too, of course. Right. 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 Like a big sacrifice. I mean, that's language maybe for the priest topic, but nevertheless, a big sacrifice. He was like, we were maybe before the podcast talking about he was already in heaven so he wasn't, or was that earlier in the podcast? Where he wasn't seeking his own reward. He yeah, that was, was earlier. That was we were talking about the gospel reading for this upcoming Sunday. Oh, okay. So I'm already lost. Okay. So, and so that ties into this too, that he didn't need in a way to, to do what he did. He did it for us. But he didn't need it for his own. For his own. That's the, that's right. He didn't need it for himself because he needed us for himself. Okay. Right. But I word that better. I'm trying to say it. I'm stumbling. <laughs> That's why I have a supervisor. You're doing fine. <laughs> okay. By the way, to the listener, we go through our, eva- our first evaluation this afternoon. Yeah, so. that's true. If there's a, a tension, no, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After we get done with this podcast, we'll be like, okay, we have Vicar 20. <laughs> 19's gone for some reason. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a... Uh, that's topic number four, that he is the son of God, stressing his divinity. Did I, did I, do you have anything else that I, I kind of stepped all over? Because uh, I kind of can dominate the... I'll probably bring in John 3.16, uh, mm-hmm. the, which is, of course, that he loved, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which identifies Jesus as the son of God, but also shows what we just talked about. What did God do for you? He loved you so much that he gave his only son. Uh, anything else here? This is this is most of the work that I have done for this topic was like 25 minutes ago. So maybe that's all I, <laughs> it might be all I have for it right now. That's fine. Let's keep <laughs> we're, moving. We're moving along here. I'm okay. getting hungry. Yeah. So week number five, the Redeemer. Jesus is the Redeemer. And the Old Testament that I really wanted to bring into this, of course, is Boaz, the kinsman Redeemer, who acted on behalf of a close relative to rescue Ruth, and to restore the inheritance uh, mm-hmm. to, to Naomi. And uh, and I think that that's such a beautiful picture of what Christ Jesus has done for us. He's rescued us and restored our inheritance that we had lost. However, I, there's another Old Testament story I might have to bring in because we used it recently when we were uh, talking to somebody, and that's the story of Isaac and how uh, God himself provided the sacrifice 
Now that could fit under the priest thing, I suppose, too. But, right. Uh, but somewhere I probably in the series would need to bring in uh, the way that Isaac, the uh, account of I- the binding of Isaac, and that he was Abraham was asked to sacrifice his own son, mm-hmm. uh, and how that obviously points towards Jesus. And there's a few subtle things there that I've learned recently. Uh, one is that he carried the wood up the hill, mm-hmm. which is again maybe that's an aside, but I, it's so fascinating though. Like normally when you brought an animal for sacrifice, you didn't load the animal up with wood to carry to its right. own sacrifice. It just wasn't a thing. And yet the Bible in the Old Testament makes very uh, makes sure to point out that Isaac was carrying the wood up the hill to his own sacrifice. And that points so solidly to Jesus carrying the cross up to his own sacrifice. Of course, we know the, the stories end radically differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the But in both cases... God himself provided the sacrifice. And that's such a powerful uh, picture of who Jesus is. This, that... this is this is one case where, because my mind's always thinking about the preaching aspect, right? Yeah, okay. Or um, I think where you can see the fact that Jesus is Redeemer shows you what you are worth to God. Yes, because I have a Redeemer rescues, restores inheritance, and pays the price. Those are my right. thoughts of, of what a redeemer is, and right, we were worth it to God to pay. So, the like, price. like if if God bought you in an online auction, how <laughs> yeah. much would it cost? Yeah, and how much was He willing to pay? Right. Yeah, everything. It's the life of His only begotten Son. So that one will be easy to preach. Yeah. The only, the only thing that will make it hard to preach is the fact that it's the fifth one. That's the only thing that'll make it hard to preach. Really, because. I will try to throw trust, in the kitchen sink me. to try to say yes. everything I didn't say along the way. That right. and uh, um, after about four, after about three, it feels like, it will feel like every sermon kind of sounds the same. Yeah, and I was saying how they, they, they overlap. You can't preach one without the other. The, the, the important text that says that Jesus was made just like one of us so he could you know be our savior well that speaks to redemption it speaks to sacrifice i mean you know what i mean so it's right. some of those but i think it, if i if i can remember that somebody that heard something a week ago might need to hear it again they didn't just get done studying and preparing a sermon for a week right. like i did right it's okay for them to hear it again a week later correct okay right. <laughs> because uh it'll that's why i said it'll feel that way right no, I could see that. Because the rest of us don't get lost in your head as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if I say what's in my head out loud, you can be lost with yes, me. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you could invite us to that confusion if you'd like, mm. I suppose. Oh, yeah. When I hired people at my job before I was a church worker, I would warn them that I talk before I have an answer. And I would just frustrate the people that were reporting to me because I would start talking the pros and cons of both sides of an issue out loud. You know? well, which is kind of the point of this podcast. We're talking before we have yeah, the answers. There you go. <laughs> Clerical errors. We talk before we have the answer. There's the, the, t- the title, Peter. So <laughs> We talk before we have the answer. <laughs> so uh, that's... Uh, so uh, pastors, if you don't have one, here's some ideas. Yeah. Um, if, if you are... Have any quick suggestions for Vicar? Where oh, can yeah. they get a hold of us? Oh, in that case, I hope they do. Email us at feedback at clericalerrors.org, or they could find us on Facebook by searching for Clerical Errors Podcast. And on Twitter, our... At me, bro. <laughs> that's coming up next. Twitter, our handle is at Clerical Errors P. P for podcast, bro. There you go. We have a store and a Patreon as well. As well sorry. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. 
I'm Bullhagen. This is Vicker. And may your Lenten series be prepared. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.